number 151. One fifty one. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is right round your virgin mother and child. morning everybody the day that we will recognize as being the Christmas season the Sunday school lesson this morning was regarding that I suppose it was with our class maybe with everybody and so this morning Bart asked if I would read a couple more prophecies from Isaiah, so we'll read a verse from Isaiah 7, familiar verse, 14. Isaiah 7, 14, he records, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which of course means God with us. And then Isaiah 9 Verses 4 through 7. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, 
and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we have the prophet Isaiah who lived and or spoke from about 765 BC to about 590, I think it was, a long time, 690 rather. He spoke about 65 years. A little uh, not clear when he started and when he concluded his preaching, but that's the best we can come up with. So he prophesied, we call it, he spoke to the people, and I don't know whether he wrote it down or whether somebody else did, don't know how that came about, or any of the others as well, don't really know. But uh, the prophet Isaiah spoke of, of the Christ as a child and as an adult in his later ministry uh, also. And, and uh, if you read the latter portions of Isaiah, you'll read about the, the kingdom and the kingship of the Messiah and so forth. And again, we don't know how it became what we have today, how it was written, how it was. But one thing we do know is that it was kept. And uh, the Jewish people were assigned uh, several responsibilities by God uh, many of which they didn't do really all that well, quite frankly, but one of them was to keep the record, and that they have done quite well. Uh, by that I mean that, that they were entrusted with keeping the written word of God, even down through the centuries, accurately. And it's phenomenal how well they did that, even that we have the book of the prophecies of Isaiah, and the verification of that is that in about 1946 or 47, there was a couple shepherd boys dinking around out in the middle of nowhere, and just, just probably out of boredom, they were throwing rocks in a cave, and in this desolate land adjoining to the Dead Sea, where it's called the Dead Sea because there's nothing grows there, and they heard a funny sound, and they began to investigate where they'd throwed their stones. Didn't sound like they expected it to sound, and they went in there, and what they found rocked the world. What they discovered in there was pots made of clay, jars made of clay, and in those jars was scrolls, and as I recall, there was hundreds of them, 
It was a library, an ancient library, that eventually was documented as having probably been about the round, around the time and probably of the same group of people that John the Baptist uh, associated with, Esnes, and this was their library, and they'd hid their library when conquerors came and, and eventually overtook them. And, and in this library was many, many things, but among them was scrolls of the prophecies of Isaiah almost entirely complete. And as scholars then began to unroll these ancient scrolls and read what they said and compare it to what you and I have, it was within a few words. I think there's 11 discrepancies of being totally accurate. And that was after almost 2,000 years of rewriting. They didn't have printing presses, remember. That wasn't until the 1450s that Mr. Gutenberg figured that out. They wrote this, and they wrote it, and they wrote it, and they wrote it, and they followed a previous writing to write the new writing, and they did that over and over again. And when you and I play telephone, does what comes out the other end sound like what went in? No, it doesn't. We can prove that right here today we could. But they did. They kept it accurately. That's one of the testimonies of the veracity and the proof of the existence of a living God. Because he made it happen. Another one is that there is such a thing as fulfilled prophecy. And here we have it. You know, the Bible says that there's going to be a baby born, even though the, the, the mother was a virgin. Never happened before. Never happened since. But it happened. And do you know that there's no other religion in the world that has prophets, people who say what's going to happen in the future? Nobody. Think about that a moment. Why not? Because they don't know. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know. And so would they stick their necks out with saying something that this is going to happen, only to be proven sometime that, no, that wasn't true, it didn't happen. But the God whom we worship can empower people to say stuff, even as Isaiah, that 700 years later it comes to pass or more, or less, depending on who said what when, because he's the God who knows. He's the only true God. And that's another of the, the verifying facts that there is a God, and that he's real and true, and he's the one whom we worship. And that's why we're here this morning. We want to worship him again today on this this day we're going to regard as a special day. It's going to be the Christmas message, I, I think. So um, let's bow in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, this day we are met to worship you. You are God. You alone are God. Though many have come and have been called God's, Yet they've proven, been proven to be otherwise, and we worship only you. And we seek you this morning. We thank you for the sending of Jesus who willingly came. We thank you that he came in such an 
ordinary manner and had such seemingly small beginnings, but eventually he will be as that mountain cut out without hands, that rock cut out of the mountain without hands that, that will shatter everything that has existed before and triumph over all in it and, and be shown to be the only true God and God alone to all the peoples of the earth. And we are met here this day to worship you, that very God. And so we pray for the message today, we pray for the messenger, and we pray for those of us who listen that all of us together can be strengthened, can be encouraged, and can be empowered to go forth from this day and each day of our life. Lord, help us to, to go forth on the truths that we know. Help us to learn more truths. Empower us and strengthen us. Make us bold and courageous. And, and make us prepared and ready to speak that which we know when we are asked about it. And so bless us to that end. We want to pray, Lord, for many folks whose health is not well. And you know who they are, and some of them we could name here today. We just, we just pray, Lord, for your strength upon them and their faith in you, that they will rest in you, and peace in their hearts for knowing you. Bless them. Lord, help us to be what we can and should be to others around us from time to time. Bless we pray that the younger people here today and everywhere, that their faith can be strengthened, that they can note the things that are important and focus on them and equip and prepare their lives for a strong and faithful future. Bless us to that end. Save us then, Lord, we pray, by our faith in the blood of Jesus who died for us and rose again. In his name we pray. Amen.
Greetings to all. I hope you had a Merry Christmas yesterday and a blessed Christmas. Probably one of the greatest miracles of all time is that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel. And we praise his name this morning. Welcome, especially you visiting families. Glad that you're with us today. And thanks for coming. As we worship the Lord Jesus collectively this morning, I invite you to open your Bibles to the second chapter of Luke. A lengthy account giving details to the uh, conception of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. We're going to uh, break in the latter part of this chapter. Being the day after Christmas, we'll pick up the great event that preceded the birth of Christ, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. This is the dedication of the child. You can recall with me, eight days after his birth, the child was circumcised. Forty days after his birth... He was taken to the temple for dedication, for purification, after the purification of the mother according to the law. And that's where this account picks up in verse 21. We'll read together. The title of this morning's message comes from verse 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Verse 21, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was consumed in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or, a, or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of all people Israel. And to Joseph and his mother, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. 
And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And I think I'll stop reading there. Gary mentioned the prophecies of old. We, we see here by this account that this man Simeon knew the old prophets, prophecies, knew the old scriptures, and he saw it come to pass with his very own eyes there in that temple that day as he held that baby Christ child, and he says, as he looked in his eyes, Behold, I have seen thine salvation. We see here again this child is brought into the temple. And it says here in verse 21 that, that his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was consumed in the womb. And I'd like to just begin this uh, service this morning by exalting the name of Jesus. That's why we've come together this morning Sometimes we get caught up in all of the details of the Christmas story itself. I would just simply like to exalt the name of Jesus. The Bible says that there is none other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. And in Matthew 1, I think it's in, in verse 21, where the angel meets with uh, Joseph and tells him that Mary is going to conceive and a child will be born. And that angel named the, this Christ child Jesus. And that's what this is referring to here in verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. The name of Jesus. We gather in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus this morning. We sing in the name of Jesus. We exalt His name for not only is He born, but He has come to save us from our sins. For mine eyes have seen Thine salvation. The name of Jesus. It means Yeshua saves. It means God is salvation. It means Messiah. It means Deliverer. It means Redeemer. It means Rescuer. And it means Savior the name of Jesus. We exalt Him this morning. That is His name. This child was named Jesus. And so the parents come to present Him to the Lord, which is according to the law. In Leviticus chapter 12, it gives the law of purification of the mother where the mother would be healed of her blood. And in Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, it mentions the commandment found for the sanctification of the firstborn male child. Every male is to be called holy. 
This is in, in Exodus chapter 13. I'll not get into it this morning, but this can be rather deep. Uh, this presentation of the male child is shortly after the Exodus. It is in direct uh, relation to the Passover where God Himself delivered His people through the passing over and He led His children out of Egypt. He rescued them. He brought salvation to them. And then He, he dedicates the, uh, every male and down through the ages uh, this Christ child would be that male that would be the deliverer. This dedication of this Christ child is in direct relation to the Passover where God would deliver. The very name of Jesus, deliverer, rescuer, salvation. And this child is dedicated in the temple. Dedicated his service. And, and you know, I just got to thinking this morning, kind of going over this, of, of even in our congregation, the young boy childs, the young male childs, babies and young children. I'm no prophet, I don't, I don't know, but I just wonder how God will use even our people today to raise them up, to become leaders, to become preachers of the gospel to become prophets. Let's dedicate them to the Lord. Maybe not in a formal service as, as is done here, though I'm not against that. I think there could be some value in that even publicly as the parents and the congregation gets behind of these children, both male and female to raise them up, to pray over them, and to continue praying that the Lord would use our young people in this day and age. Well, this takes place 40 days after his, after his birth, the dedication in the temple, and here's a, an old man in the temple named Simeon. It's no coincidence that he was there. Again, this man, I believe, knew the old scriptures, but, but along with that, the emphasis of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, in this passage. Not only did Simeon know the old scriptures, but he was saturated by the Holy Ghost. Notice in verse 25, the Holy Ghost was upon him. Verse 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then in verse 27, he came into the temple by the Spirit. Not only did Simeon know the old scriptures, not only was he waiting for the consolation, the salvation of Israel, but he looked for it. He believed it, that it would come to pass. And the Holy Spirit revealed this to him. And he came to the temple that day 
looking for the Messiah. There's several things we learn about this old man, Simeon. He was a just man, devout, it says. That means righteous, a devout man. Number three, he was waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of, it, of Israel, the salvation of Israel. Number four, like I mentioned, the Holy Ghost was upon him. And number five, the Holy Ghost had previously revealed to him that he would see the Lord's Christ. Verse 26. He was so wrapped up in the Holy Spirit that the old scriptures spoke to him. And he was waiting, waiting for the revelation to come to pass. And he came to the temple. I would word it like this, that Simeon had a forward-thinking faith. And that's the phrase I want to remember today, that Simeon had a forward-thinking faith. Yes, his faith was, was definitely based on the past, on the facts of the Old Testament Scriptures, and he believed them so strong that he looked into the future and believed, them, believed that they would come to pass just as sure as if they had already happened. He had a forward-thinking faith. But again, notice the emphasis of the Holy Spirit here in this passage. A forward-thinking faith is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit revealed the Messiah to him. And he came into the temple by the Holy Spirit. Lesson number one, we must be in the Holy Spirit in order for him to reveal these events to us. And then we must wait on him to bring it to pass and look for him and then be ready to move out when he does. The Christ child is the subject of this passage, Jesus. We've already said that. Let's exalt Him this morning. He is the subject of this passage. But the power of the Holy Spirit will bring it to pass. And it results in our forward-thinking faith in the hearts and minds of believers. Verse 28 here. Now Simeon took the baby in his arms and blessed God. <clears throat> and I suppose this weekend, as possibly you've met with families, uh, probably prayer after prayer has been offered where you've blessed God for this Christ child coming into this world as a baby. Simeon took this Christ child in his arms and first he blessed God. It's obvious to me that Simeon was not surprised about this Christ child being in the temple at the same moment that he went into the temple himself. The Holy Spirit had already revealed to him that the Christ child, the Messiah, had come, and it's obvious that Simeon was not surprised by God. 
He was not praising God or blessing God because he was surprised. For he had, his forward-thinking faith had found him looking for the Messiah. And when he held him into his arms and he looked into the face of this Jesus, he knew exactly who this boy child was, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. For mine eyes, it says in verse 30, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Lesson number two, we believers should not be surprised at the coming of the Savior, His second coming. I, I firmly believe we don't know the day or the hour. The scripture says that. But I believe that if we are as, as in tune with the Holy Spirit as Simeon was, that God will reveal to us of His coming. And I don't mean the exact day or the exact hour. But when He comes again, I, don't, I really firmly believe that believers will not be taken by surprise. We'll be, we'll be waiting for Him. First of all, we'll be in the Holy Spirit, as Simeon was. We'll be waiting for Him. We'll be looking and watching for Him. And when He comes again, we'll not be taken by surprise. This is the forward-thinking faith that every believer must have. Again, a byproduct of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. When the Messiah came as a child, many missed Him. And if He was to return today, the lesson for us here Will you be taken by surprise? Will you miss Him? You know, some believers today have no concern, very little concern about a second coming. And I fear that when He comes, they may miss Him. Others, on the contrary, others get so wrapped up in the detail and the timing and their own opinions that if He comes in some other way or some other time or some other detail, they too may miss the second coming. Let's be in the Spirit. Let's be watching and waiting for His return. Another thing that we notice about Simeon, verse 29, this forward-thinking faith also prepared this old man for his peaceful death. <clears throat> and I've noticed this with older ones. I've been at the bedside of really quite a few over the many years that's taken their last breath. And I've been around older ones still living. And this forward-thinking faith, like Simeon, gives them the confidence that they can change, as we've said, this time for eternity peacefully. 
Another lesson we can learn in this, regardless of our age. As we look into the eyes of this Christ child, are you prepared to meet death? This old man, Simeon, was very confident that this is who this Christ child, who this child was, the Christ, the Messiah. And he says here in verse 29, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Are you ready to meet death? Whether you're old, older, I really don't see any old people here. But if you're older or if you're young, are you ready to take your last breath? And can you say with Simeon, I'm ready to die in peace because I know Jesus. According to thy word. Simeon's forward-thinking faith had become a reality. As he looked into the eyes of this Christ child, verse 30, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I don't know what all your thoughts have been the last few days. It seems like this time of year is when we think of Jesus as a baby. And I haven't done all of my homework as far as why we celebrate this time of year. It's probably not the time of year that Christ was actually born. We know that. But as we focus on Him as a Christ child, can we look into His eyes and honestly say within our hearts, I have seen thy salvation. The salvation that Simeon saw was obviously threefold. One, the salvation of the Jews or Gentiles. Every believer would experience at the cross. And he points to the cross here in a latter verse. We'll get to that in a moment. There's only salvation in one name. There's only salvation, the Bible says, in one way. And that's because Jesus died, He went to the cross, and He rose again that we can have this full salvation. But this salvation that Simeon saw was threefold. Not only as each believer, Jew or Gentile, comes to the cross, but also that, that salvation that I've already mentioned that believers can experience as they close their eyes in death and they open it up, open their eyes up in eternity. A salvation from this world into eternity. And thirdly, the salvation of all believers in Him that will experience His second coming. Threefold salvation. When Simeon looked into his eyes, the Holy Spirit had revealed this threefold salvation to him. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Lesson number three. Have you seen the salvation of the Lord with your own eyes?
This is a heart question. Have you seen the salvation of the Lord with your own eyes? Simeon held that child in his arms and he says, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Those are powerful words. Have you applied salvation to your life personally? At the cross? Are you prepared for death? And are you looking for His return? The only way, again, that we can experience a peaceful death and transition into eternity is for you, like Simeon, to see the salvation of the Lord with your own eyes. And this can be experienced as you look into the face of Jesus. This is the face that Isaiah talks about that was marred more than any man as he suffered and bled on the cross of Calvary. And he died for your sins and mine. Verse 31 says, Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. This is a phrase that caught my attention. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. I think ESV says, in the presence of all people. But as you think about that phrase, mine eyes have seen the salvation which the Lord has prepared for the face of all people. And that speaks collectively for all people, Jew, Gentile, every man, every woman, every child of all ages. God has prepared the salvation for the face of all people. But it also speaks to me personally for the face of all people. Have I stood face to face with Jesus? Have I looked into His eyes and experienced His salvation? The Bible says in Philippians, and I think Phil actually referred to it last Sunday, in Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says that everyone should bow before Him. And that everyone should confess with your tongue. Everyone should bow and everyone should confess now. The Bible also says that many will not. And the Bible says that someday every tongue and everyone will bow. Our opportunity is today in the age of grace that we be invited into this salvation that we will bow voluntarily and that we will confess voluntarily or there is coming a day of judgment when everyone will stand face to face with this Jesus and every tongue and every uh, knee will bow by force. Simeon looked into the eyes of Jesus and he says, 
mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of every person that has ever lived and every person that yet will live before he comes again and every man, woman, and child in this sanctuary or that is listening today or that may listen to this message in the future. We stand face to face with Jesus. Has our eyes seen the salvation that he has prepared for my face? Verse 32. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold this child, verse 34, Behold this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword, verse 35, A sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And this is a prophecy that Simeon spoke concerning Mary standing at the cross where her son would be pierced. He would bleed. He would die, suffer for our sins. And he would be pierced there. And Simeon is saying that you, the mother of this Jesus, will also, your heart will be pierced. As Jesus died on the cross and He bore our pain, our suffering, that we should have borne for our sins, Mary shared in that pain as she stood there emotionally, her heart was pierced. Verse 33 through 35 is not only a prophecy speaking about the cross where Jesus would suffer. It's also speaking again about Mary also suffering with Jesus emotionally. But notice this phrase here. It seems like I have read over it many times and not thought about it. In the last part of verse 35, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Maybe this is the greatest lesson for us this morning. There are many reasons why Jesus was born, why God tabernacled in the flesh and chose to dwell among men. There's many reasons why He went to the cross, obviously to save us from our sins. 
But Simeon says here some very powerful words that should strike our hearts today. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was such a double standard in that day. Pilate, for example, was a man that came across like he was wanting to to do what the people wanted. And yet he was a very selfish man. He really was trying to protect his position. The Jewish leaders, they came across very pious, very religious, very righteous, and yet their hearts were wicked. The disciples themselves, they walked that wall that divided them from true faith and fear. They followed Jesus. They proclaimed Him. But when it came right down to it, they walked away in fear. Such a double standard. Judas, he had his feet washed by the Messiah himself. And yet he walked out that very night and betrayed him. Peter proclaimed him. And yet around the fire that night he denied him. What a double standard. Everyone was strangely involved that day as their true hearts was exposed and revealed. There's one thing that Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary, and that was to reveal the true heart, the thoughts of the heart of man. And so maybe the greatest lesson for us today, I wrote down as lesson number six. He came and went to the cross that he would reveal my heart. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, you know it. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus went to the cross that he would reveal our true heart, that he would remove the double standard that is put within us. God wants us to come to the cross. Many of you have. You've been to the cross. Have you exposed your heart there? The lesson that we learn from this forward-thinking faith and prophecy of Simeon is that Jesus came to save us from our sins and to reveal the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And so I ask you this morning, I don't know who you are, what thoughts are going through your heart, what kind of double standard that you may be living at times, but God is calling us to pure 
authentic Christianity. He wants us to expose our hearts at the cross. I think of a young believer who wears the name of Christian on a t-shirt, and yet the thoughts of his heart are in porn pictures or evil thinking. God wants to reveal the true thoughts of our heart. Or I think about an older believer who looks really good on Sundays, and yet the thoughts towards his brother is bad. Or he's wrapped up in selfishness or materialism. God is calling every one of us to lay our hearts down at the foot of the cross and expose them because he died, he bled, and he died for our sins. And the only way that we can be saved is to open our hearts before him. It says here that he came to expose, to reveal the thoughts of the hearts of all generations. And that includes you and I. That's probably the greatest lesson that I can learn from this passage this morning. So as we leave the manger and we walk out of these doors this morning on this day of dedication where the Christ child is dedicated in the temple, let's live our lives in 2022 close to the cross, having our hearts exposed eliminating the double standard that uh, we're so tempted with. And so this causes us to come back to the cross and back to the cross and back to the cross. That blood is still just as valuable today as it was then. It's one thing to say that you've been to the cross. It's another to expose your heart there. And that's where true salvation takes place. For my sal mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He came to reveal our true hearts and to save us from our sins at the cross and through the victorious resurrection. He came to give us peace as we close our eyes in death. And this salvation is made real when he comes again, are you looking for him? Are you waiting for him as Simeon? And are you ready to meet him? Let's pray.